Good morning. If you have a copy of the scriptures, you can open up to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, if you're our guest today, we're so thankful that you're here. Hopefully you feel at home at Living Hope. And then this is a special day as we're getting ready to ordain some elders into the pastoral ministry at our church. Um, Just to give you a quick update, many of you may know, for those of you that don't, I just got back from an eight-day trip to Brazil two days ago, and so you guys commissioned me a couple weeks ago and laid hands and sent me off, and uh, by God's grace, made it home. So cool. Over that eight days, we saw 75 people put their faith in Jesus for the very first time, not only in the cities that we were working in, but also out in the jungles and villages that we were able to serve in as well. Just incredible to see the gospel go forth like that. Um, And so hopefully, we're going to work out some details in the next couple of years, we'll be able to take a church trip out there. And so those of you that would be interested, get to experience that. I will tell you, though, uh, people are, what's your biggest takeaway? It's literally the hottest place on planet Earth. Um, we were on the equator, and, and I mean, you sweat from like the moment you wake up, your feet hit the ground, and you're just like <clears throat> drenched in sweat. And then you go to bed, and you're drenched in sweat. You wake up in the middle of the night, you're drenched in sweat. And I, I told somebody, I, I'm, they're like, well, how hot was it? I'm like, it was so hot that my shins were sweating like through the front of my pants. Like, I don't mean to be too graphic, I guess, but that, it was that hot that you're just like standing there and you look down and like the front of your pants are like soaking wet. You're like, what's going on? It's like, oh, my shins are sweating. That's weird. Um, but the gospel goes forth and it was just wonderful. Would love to tell you stories, share pictures. If you're interested, please approach me anytime and I'd love to do that. Well, hey, as we get ready to ordain some elders here in just a few moments, uh, I want to share uh, from Acts chapter 13 today, some, some verses here that God has used for several years to speak to me in pastoral ministry. And so if you're uh, willing and able, I would encourage you to stand up in honor of reading God's word. We say it living hope that we think the word of God is a big deal. And so when we initially read it, start of a message, we want to honor that. So God's word says this in Acts 13, the first three verses. It says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a close friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Verse 3. And then after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Let's pray. God, we love you. Lord, thank you for your word. You've got to pray today in this special and historic moment in the life of Living Hope Columbus, God, that your spirit would be among us, God, that your word would go forth with power, Jesus, that we wouldn't leave here the same as when we showed up today, but God, that you would give us open ears to hear from the throne room of heaven through the word of God, God, that you would not only give us open ears, but you would give us uh, receptive hearts, God, we don't want to just be hearers of the word, we want the word to change us, and we don't want it to just change us, God, we want it to completely affect every area of our lives. So God, may you find us obedient today as we leave this place. God, obedient to whatever you're calling us to do from the scriptures. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, in my early 20s, when I first became a a pastor about 15 years ago, um, before that, I served in a variety of different roles and vocations. Some of you know parts of my story. One of my first jobs was as a, a pizza cook at a pizza hut in Pickerington, Ohio. I got that job because I walked in there on my 16th birthday. The manager was frustrated with all the employees. And I remember walking in the front door of that pizza hut and hearing her literally scream. Her name was Risa. She's about five foot, two inches tall, small but mighty woman. And she screamed these words. She said, I'm so sick of all of you. Whatever idiot walks in the door next, I'm going to give him a job. (laughs) In the sovereignty of God, I was that idiot. (laughs) 
And I got a job, my first job at Pizza Hut. I served as a pizza cook. I served as a delivery driver. Later on in my late teen, early 20s years, I was a manager of a restaurant. I served as interns as a church. I used to be the guy, if you've ever used the Gas Buddy app, which many of us use now to try to find the best gas prices. I was the guy that recorded those at gas stations around the Columbus area. You probably didn't know that. Um, Did that for a couple of years. But for the first time in my life, in my early 20s, I got to carry the title of pastor. And it wasn't a title that I carried lightly, because I knew based on the authority of Scripture that there was a weight associated with the role that God was calling me to. There was a weight associated with the task that God was calling me to. The Scriptures are very clear that those those that desire to teach the Bible are held to a stricter judgment. I had the opportunity to serve at the church that I grew up in down in Lancaster, Ohio, with people. This was a problem in your first pastoral role, with people who knew you since you were a child. I joke, and I'm dead serious. Some of you were part of my church back then. I'm telling you, that church, they loved me so well. Like I I don't think I could do wrong at that church. I I joke that I could have kicked a toddler when I walked down the hallway and people would have clapped, you know? (laughs) It was just that, and I never did, by the way, if you're wondering. (laughs) Never, Never kicked a toddler. But as a church I served in from my childhood, I grew up there, and I can remember a couple days after they had hired me, and my first day was coming up on that coming Monday, I went into the office, I brought what few things that I thought you needed to have there, I brought my laptop charger, some pens, a couple coffee mugs, and a few books that I had, but I remember that first day, quote, on the job, that first Monday on the job, I, I woke up early that day, extremely early, because I was so excited. I lived with my parents at the time in their basement. I was making it, as you can tell. I went downstairs, and I I ironed my dress pants for my first day of work. It was so much fancier back then. Ironed my button-up shirt. I had my hair cut freshly that weekend. And I can remember so vividly as a young man in my early 20s, walking into that office, 9 a.m. was when office hours started. And I walked back into my office. It was the second door on the left when you walked into the main office. And I sat down at my desk, and here was my initial thought. I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Fast forward 15 years, and I've joked with some of you, I I still often feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. But I've learned a few things on the way, and one of the passages of Scripture that I continually come back to as a pastor, not only in the years that God has allowed me to do this, but pastoring this church, is here in Acts 13. Just these couple of verses. Let me give you a little context here if you're unfamiliar with Acts 13. Shortly before this in Acts, Barnabas had sought out the Apostle Paul recently after his conversion, and he had brought Paul to Antioch to be part of that church. It's from this church that we know biblically and historically that Paul was sent out on his first missionary journey from this church in Antioch. And it's from this passage that I I continue to remember three important things that really keep me going as a pastor. You know, I I try as much as I can um, to not complain in this role that God has allowed me to have. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond blessed as a pastor of this church, and I hope you know that and you hear the gratitude in my heart and Pastor Joe's heart. But there's just some realities that are associated with the pastoral role. I remember reading this week, um, 70% of pastors say that they don't have any close friends at all. That's really tragic, by the way. Um, I think it's like, three-quarters of pastors actually won't make it as, pa- as pastor to the end of their life. They'll actually leave the ministry because of some of the stress associated with it. And I don't say that to complain or anything like that. I think it's about two-thirds of pastors struggle with depression and anxiety 
Um, there, there's so many other statistics we could talk about. About half of pastors say that their marriages are strained because of the vocation that God has called them to. And I don't say that to complain in any way, shape, or form because I'm not. I'm, I'm blessed beyond those things. But I want to encourage these three new elders today. The role of pastor, the scripture says, is an honorable thing. And we get the opportunity to lay our lives down for the flock that Jesus died for. God has given us a unique platform, a unique task as pastors, that we get to do this. And from Acts 13, what I'm reminded of is that it's not always easy, but there's things that we need to remember as we're doing this vocation, this calling that God has given us. And so while I'm gonna speak directly to Andy and Seth and Mark this morning, um, I hope this encourages the church as a whole because I think a lot of this will speak to our Christian lives in general. You know, these three men are stepping into a, a unique role. I was thinking about this this past week as I was flying home. These guys have vocations, they have jobs, they have nine to fives that they operate in throughout the week, yet they're also going to step into now this role of elder, pastor, this unique role that they're going to carry that is slightly different from the way that Pastor Joe and I function, but they'll still carry the weight of pastoring God's people. And here's some of the things that I, I'm going to be honest with, with Mark and Andy and Seth this morning. I think like any vocation, we all feel this at times. When these callings come upon their lives, we think to ourselves, well, I'm not cut out for this. I've had conversations with these three men. They've wrestled through that. Can I really do this calling that God has placed on my life? And if I'm honest, and I think Pastor Joe would echo this, most days you're probably not. <laughs> but what have we echoed over and over in our Ghost Story series? You may have heard us repeat this verse in 2 Corinthians, that God's grace is made sufficient in our weakness. We're not cut out for the calling that God has given us. There will be seasons where you're going to think as an elder of this church, Pastor Joe and I deal with this too, you know what, I just want to throw in the towel and just be a church member again. I, sometimes that would just be amazing. Those seasons will come more often than we like to admit. Good days and bad days as an elder at Living Hope Columbus. But I want to give you three things quickly from Acts 13, and I hope this encourages everybody, that will just keep you going. Did you keep your hand to the plow, keep your head down, and move forward in this calling that God has placed on your life? And here's the first one. It's for these three guys. Church, I hope this encourages you too. First, remember closeness. Remember closeness. I know it sounds cliche, and this is going to sound so obvious, but this is a fundamental part, not only of Christian living, but it's an essential part of pastoring God's people. And here it is. Stay close to Jesus. Do you know how many things are competing for your heart every day. So many things are competing for our hearts every day. But look at the posture of these believers in verse 2 of Acts 13. The posture of these believers at the church in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas included, because they were part of this congregation now, before they're sent on their missionary journey. It says that they were worshiping the Lord and that they were fasting. We could sum that up in a statement like this, that they had maintained a posture of dependence upon Jesus that preceded any activity for Jesus. You want to be effective in your Christian life? You want to be effective as an elder or a pastor in the local church? Make sure that your first love always remains Jesus and let everything else flow from that relationship. 
I've often heard it put this way, this term was, or this uh, phrase was coined many years ago, that we need to focus on intimacy with Jesus before we have any activity for Jesus. You see, the Christian life, often we try to function in the opposite. I must do things for God so that God loves me more. It's not how the Christian life works. That's anti-gospel. The gospel says I fall in love with Jesus, and the overflow of that is activity for God. In John 15, we see that posture of dependence encouraged by Jesus. You can turn over there if you'd like to. If you're familiar with uh, that passage, it's this uh, passage of the vine and the branches. It's this parable, essentially, that Jesus gave his disciples, that he is the vine, he's the source of life, and we are the branches. So the lesson is so simple that Jesus teaches there. In order for a branch connected to the vine, in order for a branch to thrive, produce fruit, and sustain life, what has to happen? That branch has to stay connected to the vine. But look at John 15, 5. This verse should wreck every one of us if pursuing Christ is not the priority of our lives. Look at this. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. We just mentioned that. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. And then listen to this last statement from Jesus, because you can do nothing without me. You want to live a life of eternal significance for the kingdom of God that goes beyond your existence? Stay connected to Jesus. The Christian life is impossible apart from a close relationship with Jesus. Mark, Andy, Seth, let me remind you of this. Shepherding God's people is impossible apart from a close relationship with Jesus because you can't give people what you don't possess yourself. I was reminded from the Psalms this week, Psalm 119, verse 11, where David wrote these words, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Do we treasure the scriptures because it's in the word of God where the son of God, Jesus, is found? That's how we fall in love with Jesus. So remember closeness to Jesus. Here's the second thing. Remember your calling. The second thing we see in Acts 13 is what the Spirit of God says there in verse 2. Look what he says to the church in Antioch. This is amazing. Holy Spirit said, verse 2, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of the ministry, for the work to which I've called for them. Now, I'm a firm believer in the sovereignty of God. If that's a term that you're not familiar of, it basically means that God is over all things and nothing slips through God's fingers on accident. Scriptures teach this over and over. One verse I love to go back to is Ephesians 1.11. It says, in Jesus, we've received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan. Listen to this out. This is the sovereignty of God. The one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. You see, nothing happens that doesn't go through first the fingers of God. He's over all things. And with that, I'm reminded from Acts 13.2 that God has called each of these three men for this specific moment. That before the foundation of the world, that God sovereignly knew that on this moment, November 13th, 2022, that these three men would become pastors, elders, at Living Hope Columbus. Think about this, that in addition to the pastoral qualifications that each of these men meet in 1 Timothy 3, they each possess a unique skill set that will help them shepherd our church. They're not the same as one another, and they're not the same as me and Joe. God has uniquely gifted them to serve as elders in this church. They possess unique perspectives it's been so fun over these last couple of months as they've been kind of progressing down this path to become elders. 
that we've just kind of started to bounce some things off them, some ideas, some conversations, and they think differently than me and Joe do. And it's awesome. They're unique, unique abilities that are going to help them pastor this congregation along myself and Joe. And in talking to them, here's what we know. God's called them to the task. And guys, let me encourage you, there's three, three guys. Whether your calling was recent or whether it was years ago, remember it. I've always thought of your calling. I heard one preacher one time say, let it be a stump in the ground that you can always go back to and stand on. That when you're questioning whether or not God has called you to a task, go back to that stump and stand on top of it. And here I stand because God called me to this. Yes, it's going to be difficult. No, it's not always going to be easy. Yes, there will be challenges. But I know when God called me, so here I stand. This is my stump and nobody's going to push me off of it. Somebody needs to tweet that. That was good. That wasn't in the notes, man. That was good. That's the spirit of God, right? Look back on when God called you to this task often to shepherd God's people. Remember closeness, remember your calling, and then lastly, as we begin to close because we want to move into this ordination, remember your confirmation. Look at verse 3 in Acts 13. Before being sent off into their calling, what does this church in Antioch do with Paul and Barnabas? I know this is not a pastoral verse specifically. They're being sent as missionaries, but we can still glean principles from this. It says, after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they, they sent them off. It was the local church confirming the calling that God had placed on their lives. It's where we get the word ordination. We've used that this past several weeks. We're going to ordain these men into ministry. Now, at Living Hope Columbus, we're a, what's known as a congregationally governed church, meaning that in the life of our church, the way that we function is whenever we make a big decision regarding the life of this family, we put it to a vote. So if you're a church member, you get to, you get to place a vote. And here's what's amazing to me. As a sign of unity, several, several months ago, I think about three months ago, we submitted these names to you. And then as a sign of unity, just a few weeks ago, we, we put it to a vote. Is God really calling these men to serve in the capacity of Pastor Elder alongside myself and Joe here at Living Hope Columbus? And you know what was wild to me? That vote was 100% unanimous for every vote that was cast. There wasn't one no. Now, if you abstained or whatever, kudos to you. You missed out, man, right? It was 100% unanimous. I've been in ministry 15 years. I've worked in Baptist churches 15 years. Never, ever, ever have I been in a local church where a pastor was voted on that received 100% vote. I've never seen it happen. Never seen it happen. That's why I believe with all of my heart that God's doing something special in this moment. But, but Mark, Andy, and Seth, let me t- say this to you. When you remember your confirmation that the local church confirmed you this, this church believes in you. This church loves you. And they proved that. They see you in that role. They see you as fit for the task of head. And in just a few moments, when we have these couples come down and we're going to lay hands on these men, we're going to commit you to the task of pastor elder. I pray with all of my heart that this is also another stump that you can look back on, where you can look back on and say, you know what? My church believed in me, and they laid their hands on me, and they prayed over me, and they commissioned me to that task. Remember Jesus first, closeness with him. Remember your calling, remember your confirmation. And I want to close with this, and then we're going to ordain these men here in a moment. You guys ever heard of the name of a guy named John Knox? Chances are you probably haven't heard that name. It's not a name that I've thought of recently until a couple days ago, scrolling through my social media. 
It's probably not a name you've heard before, and if you've heard of the name John Knox, you might know a little about him, but there's just really not a lot out there about this guy. In the early 1500s, just to give you a snapshot, he was part of what was known as the Protestant or the Scottish Reformation, basically standing up against Roman Catholicism. Later on, he was also part of the Protestant Reformation, standing up against Roman Catholicism again, teaching you salvation is by Jesus, all of those things. He's a man who in his time, if you Google John Knox, you're going to find positive things, negative things, just like all of us. Once you die and people write stories about you, by the way, they're not all going to be good. (laughs) You're going to make a few enemies along the way. But really, if you think of the story of John Knox, and you can do your research on it, in in a couple of unique ways, he played a very important role in the advancement of the church. Again, being part of the Reformations, it was an important role in the advancement of the church. And what's interesting is 500 years later, I did a little research, um, there's really only like two of his sermons that he preached that that were published that you can go back and read. He preached hundreds, only two. There's really not many pictures of him. I think one thing I read said there's like two known pictures of John Knox and a couple of quotes that are out there. There's really not much left of his legacy. But one thing we do know is the best he knew how he sought to advance the name of Jesus, right? Then I came across a picture of his grave this week. You would think somebody who sought to advance the name of Jesus Somebody who played an important role in the Reformation. There would at least be a large stone somewhere with your name on it, with the date you were born and died, the dash in between, and some fancy quote underneath your name. You want to see the grave of John Knox? Check this out. It's about a piece of concrete that big, and they put a parking lot over where he was buried. Unless you know it's there, you're not going to find it. You're just going to pull in and go shopping. It was a reminder for me this week, Christians in general, Mark, Andy, and Seth specific, no matter how important you think you are, no matter how many people may rave about you at certain moments and seasons of life, no matter how often we may try to make a name for ourselves, and no matter what, honestly, no matter what contribution we make to society, someday when your life is over, you'll likely be forgotten. It's like uh, the one guy said years ago, he said, preach the gospel, die, be forgotten. Because someday your grave may be paved over by a parking lot. And all that's left of your memory is a Costco. So what do we do with our life? We make much of Jesus. No matter what God has called you to, make much of Jesus. Spend your days making much of Jesus because the life that God has given us, it's not about us. We don't live so our names can go down in history books. We live to make much of Jesus. And so Mark, Andy, and Seth, I just want to encourage you with this last statement. We make much of Jesus. That's why we serve God's people. It's not to make them like us. It's not to make a name for ourselves. We serve God's people to make much of Jesus. We shepherd God's people to make much of Jesus. We pastor to make much of Jesus. Let me pray for us. God, we love you. God, I pray that that simple phrase of we live, we breathe to make much of Jesus would resonate in our hearts, the hearts of these three men that are stepping into this new task. God, thanks for this moment in our story that you've sovereignly ordained and called us to. God, for that, we're grateful. 
We pray that the hand of God's favor and blessing would always remain on this church. God, that we would stay humble, knowing that anything that's happening around us and through us is because Jesus is doing it. So God, bless these next few moments. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you.